Hey there, podcast listener. Welcome to Eat Half, Walk Double. I'm your host, Chris Dunn. This show chronicles my four decades in endurance sports as a coach, a race director, and an athlete, told through the stories of the important, influential, and interesting people I've met along the way. While I catch up with friends, colleagues, rivals, clients, and the occasional family member, it's my hope you'll learn a little something about health, fitness, and the secrets to living well along the way. I'm really excited about today's guest. My very good friend Amber Ferreira joins the show. To say she's got a lot going on is an understatement. We chat about how she balances being a partner, a professional athlete, a physical therapist, a coach, and a business owner. And in particular, we discuss her new and by her own admission most important role as a mom. So here she is, Amber Ferreira. Amber, welcome to the broadcast. Thanks for having me, Chris. I'm very excited to have you as a guest. It's um, it's been a while since you and I have had the opportunity to uh, to chat with each other. Um, I <laughs> I don't run in the same competitive circles with you any longer, uh, and so we just don't get a chance to cross paths very much. Um, but um, um, but. I've always, always enjoyed our conversations, and so I'm sure this this conversation will be no different. Um, look, I, I got to start with this. Um, you know, mom, partner, professional athlete, physical therapist, coach, business team owner. Uh, when when do you find time to sleep? Uh, <laughs> sorry, and just speaking of the uh, hi, Charlie. <laughs> we, hi, there Charlie. she is. Okay, we are recording. Sorry, I knew it. We're live. <laughs> I'll see you soon. Yeah, it's been, you know what I always say is like a busy life is a good life. Um, so it is, it has been like a whirlwind, especially the, the last nine months has been crazy, but it's also been super satisfying and like oh, the best year of my life so far. Um, and I always said too, when I started racing professionally, I never actually, I never like totally quit my job as a physical therapist. And, um, I was also coaching at that time too, because I just felt like those were the things that brought me joy. And if I was going to race fast, usually a happy athlete is a fast athlete. Um, so it's always been like kind of a crazy busy life time management. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm sure that, um, you know, you, 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 to a certain point, you've always had to lean on time management as an important skill in order to, in order to create the productivity that you, that you needed to race at that level. Uh, it just so happens to be that, that motherhood just adds one additional complexity to that. Right. But, um, um, but it, but it, but it's within the context and framework of this sort of organized way that you've approached things probably for quite some time. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and as Charlie gets older here, we're getting a little bit more into a groove. Um, I made, you know, a promise to myself early on, Charlie's like the most important person, um, to me and in my life, except for Ryan, of course, <laughs> too. But I didn't want to like 
force uh, fitness too early. I didn't want to rush back into things too early and lose time with Charlie. So we have, um, yeah, we've really gotten into a good groove. I've done all of my runs. She's a little over nine months and I've done all my runs every single mile, except for four miles with her. Um, we have an awesome Thule jogging stroller. And so that just feels like really good to be able to like, just get out there, get the fresh air, do some training and like also be with her and just expose her to the awesomeness that is the outdoors and athletics. Mm. So, you know, we're, we're, yeah, sorry. Yeah. There, you know, there, yeah, I, I, I totally get that. You know, it, it, it you know, that, that thought and sentiment um, sort of gets me thinking about, you know, there've been, there've been so many examples of elite athletes, female athletes uh, who've returned back to sport uh, soon after, uh, soon after, after childbirth. You know, I, names like Serena Williams or Carrie Walsh Jennings or Keegan Randall or Kara Goucher, right? These very high profile uh, female athletes that have, uh, um, that have successfully sort of gotten back to sport fairly quickly. Um, and, you know, I, I'm wondering, do, do, do you think these examples create um, unrealistic expectations for, for women with respect to how easily it maybe it, it looks uh, to return back to sport quickly? Abs yes, absolutely. Um, and I mean, you know, kudos to them because it is it's so much work. But, yeah, they, they made it look, I think, way easier than it is. I um, I found even four months postpartum, even five months postpartum, I was still like having discomfort standing for 10 minutes, you know, and it's crazy the physical stress and then your hormones are changing and then trying to manage like energy levels with the breastfeeding. It's just, it's an amazing balance and it is way harder than, um, they, they made it look, e look easy. Um, so, but at the same time, I think it, it is important not to, to lose, you know, we are mothers and, but also athletes that's important to us. And so it's important to honor that. So I I'm always trying to find a balance of like being a great mom to Charlie, but then also not losing myself as an athlete. So it's just like slowly starting to get back into a little bit more training and a little bit more pushing my, myself, but yeah, man, it's uh it was super hard in the beginning, sleep mm. deprivation, managing um, energy expenditure of the breastfeeding. And then just like the physical trauma of giving birth, that was, yeah. That was <laughs> well, well, I mean, I do think, I do think that, um, that professional athletes, particularly the, the highest profile <laughs> professional athletes, uh, I mean, let's, let's face it. They have a, they have a team around them. Um, and, yeah. uh, well, it's, well, it, well, to your point, it, it likely isn't as easy as they make it out to be. Um, yeah. many hands make light work. Uh, yes. and so, <laughs> yes. and so when, when you have a, when you have a nanny and you have a chef and you have a, you have your own physical therapist and massage therapist and, uh, and, right. and you have all of these people lined up, you know, to pitch in, um, per, perhaps it, it, it does make it, uh, it does make it a little bit easier. You know, you've, you've said of, of postpartum recovery that it's, it's, it's been hard, but also amazing. You also said it's a beautiful intersection of being strong, but also showing grace. 
Um, yeah, can you can you talk a little bit more about? Uh, I mean, you mentioned sleep deprivation, but what what are what, what are some of the other things that um, uh, th that are challenging that you didn't expect to be as challenging? I mean, I'm sure you probably thought a lot about postpartum while <laughs> while you were while you were pregnant, um, but I but I suspect there were you know that there've been some surprises along the way. Um, what, yeah, talk a little bit yeah. more about, about, you know, what's, what the challenges are in the postpartum period. Yeah. And so I, yeah, the sleep deprivation obviously is the, it's, that's the obvious one. Um, but I think more so for me, which I didn't expect was like how long my body took to heal. And I actually, in all honesty, think I'm still in, in a healing phase in regards to, um, yeah, the it's essentially the trauma of giving birth. Um, it, it, it was a lot. And it also took nine months, 41 weeks <laughs> to, to grow a baby, you know, and your body goes through all those changes. Um, so I'm actually, yeah, nine and a half months postpartum. So I think that's what I was talking about, sort of giving myself that grace, because why would I expect to come back in three months if it took 40 weeks to grow a baby? Um, but uh, also, which I really didn't expect, and I just don't think it's well documented or talked about a lot, is how hard the breastfeeding was. Um, and I, it was, it was painful in the beginning. It was a little bit awkward. I really wanted to do it, so I put a ton of pressure on myself, um, and it ended up working out. But also, the as I slowly started to add back in more training, the energy costs of breastfeeding and then trying to pump enough so she would have milk for daycare plus training was was huge um and yeah that was that was definitely something i i didn't expect and i'm really really glad that i put that breastfeeding part first i didn't force the training put charlie first so that that journey worked out for us. Um, but that was, that was something huge that I, that I didn't expect. And also I, what, which is also not talked about is, you know, it's a big hormone drop every single time you pump or breastfeed. So I would get like lots of anxiety and actually like a mini episode of, I would feel depressed every single time that I did that, which I don't think that's talked about at, about, about at all or enough. Um, so that was hard to overcome too. And I got through because it was, it was episodic and it was really situational and it would end as soon as I stopped pumping or breastfeeding. But that was something else too. When you get a little, I'm usually like run as a happy, positive person, but if you're getting like a little sleep deprived, your body's healing postpartum, you know, you're in charge of caring for a newborn and then like eight to 12 times a day, you're getting a little bit depressed. <laughs> it's um, a lot. So that was definitely something that I would have, I just didn't know about. So Yeah. So how, how did you handle that early on? I mean, did you, again, to your point, uh, it's not talked about a lot. So, I mean, did you, did you feel like, like maybe this was unusual or abnormal? Is there something wrong with me? Yeah. Uh, I mean, how, how did you, how, how did you figure out what was happening and, and eventually determine that it was normal? Yeah. So I, at work, I'm really lucky to work with a strong, um, women's health team that specializes in, in postpartum. 
Um, and I was just talking to one of my coworkers about the symptoms and they were like, oh, yep, that that's an actual diagnosis. And, you know, that's a thing. And it'll usually gets better um, as the months go on. But it was just, it felt it felt good that, well, it yeah, it felt nice that I wasn't abnormal and it happened to other people and it, it did eventually get better. Um, it also helped early on just to have something as simple as just Ryan in the room with me when I was feeding Charlie. I don't know. It was just another person and in, in there that, that helped me during those times. So, mm. um, um, you know, you, you also mentioned, uh, the importance of showing grace. Um, you know, I, I, <laughs> I talk a lot about that, uh, with my athletes from time to time who tend to get down on themselves about, you know, maybe not keeping up with their, with their training program, uh, for, for one reason or another, um, or perhaps experiencing a disappointing performance. So I, I talk about grace a lot. Um, how did you show yourself grace? Like what, 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 what did that, what did that mean? And, and how did that look to you? Yeah. So that, that was something that, well, I pretty much have to work on that every day because <laughs> I'm definitely someone that sees the training program and then feels like compelled that I have to like hit all the boxes or I don't know if you use training peaks, but like make sure every workout is green and perfect. <laughs> um, so I, I really, have had to sort of flip the mindset a little bit too. And um, I think initially I didn't want to put any big races on the schedule because that as soon as I had a race on the schedule too, I was going to just go for it. And I knew that that's not going to be fair to me. It might set me up for injury. It's not going to be, I didn't want to do that to Charlie too. I, I hate like being away from her even for a couple hours. So I um, just focused really on being consistent in the sense that if I felt exhausted or, um, you know, I just body wasn't feeling right, I would go out and walk a couple miles and like that was a box checked. And like, let's say I had to run that day, no stress, just go out and walk, get some fresh air, you know, check that box. So yeah, it's still it's still a struggle because <laughs> you want to see all that training peaks green. <laughs> mm, yeah, I mean, do you, do do you feel that do you feel that that part of your success as a professional athlete um, was 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 because you set really high expectations for yourself um, and um, while 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 perfection is is elusive and it's probably not realistic, um, at least the pursuit of perfection uh, was was at least part of your of your success profile. Yes, absolutely. And so that's been sort of a hard switch to flip or change or mindset to change, because really it was like, and I'm also like a, I think like most of us just really that creature of habit and. It's like I wake up early, get the training done, make sure it's done perfectly, mm -hmm. um, you know. And so, and so now it's sort of like, okay, get up when you know, feed Charlie when she's hungry, and figure out when we're gonna like run together. What's what's best for her in regards to her nap time and, and things like that. And um, so yeah, it's <laughs> it's a little different, but in a way, it's 
it's more, it's more fun because now it's like, I have a little exercise buddy. And as the weeks go on and as the months go on, I, I really am like building momentum and I can sense that I feel really, really strong. Um, so I think, I think that's also something that's, that's, um, giving me some confidence and courage that I'm, you know, this is okay. Even though the training doesn't look like what it, what it was five years ago, four years ago, you know, before Charlie, I feel strong. So I think I'm going to be able to like accomplish some of these bigger goals I, I had while, while balance, while, you know, running with Charlie and doing all my runs with Charlie in the stroller and, you know, waking up doing my bike rides at five in the morning, what, you know, before Ryan goes to sleep, I think that's going to all work out. So it's just different, but <laughs> do you, so I, what I'm curious about is, do you think this new perspective uh, on, on physical activity and, and exercise and training, um, do you think that'll eventually change or alter your approach when you, when you get to a point where you can really lean in on quote unquote, being a professional athlete again, uh, or, or do you expect to go back to that, that, that old Amber where, where she's highly driven to turn all of her training units and training peaks green. In other words, <laughs> in other words, at, at some point, at some point, will, will yellow training, will yellow activities and training peaks be cool with you? <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like the, is is this current experience likely to change your your future experience with regard to progress versus perfection? Yes, I I absolutely do think it is. I mean, we will obviously we'll have to see. Good point. <laughs> but um, even something as little, and I think we we knew knew this. At, you know, as as coaches, we knew that a huge dose of like lower, lower zone two and, and aerobic running or biking is, is the way to success. You know, that sort of like consistent building aerobic capacity. Um, and, and with Charlie and with postpartum healing, I have put in so many like slow, easy aerobic miles. Um, I've been forced to, and, and I think before Charlie, Amber would have been like, oh, <laughs> there's a, I know I have an easy day, but there's a Strava crown or like a segment. <laughs> I'm just going to chase one segment. Um, and yes. So now I'm sort of forced into that, like zone one, zone two aerobic capacity. And it actually has left me feeling really energized and we know that's the way to train, but <laughs> well, I think, look, that's an excellent observation because I think, and I, I, I want to talk about coaching next, but, um, you know, as, as, as coaches, or at least as a coach, and I, I wonder if you share this observation that, uh, most of our athletes, um, are not doing their easy stuff easy enough. Exactly. Exactly. Right. And, and it's, oh man, it's so, it's such a hard sell and, and even for me, some of the, yeah, and you, you know, it's like some of those easy days, I almost feel like I'm walk jogging, which is totally fine now because I'm with Charlie and we're looking at the birds and I'm talking to her. <laughs> um, but, but yeah, pre Charlie, I would have been like, oh, it's an easy day, but let me just chase one crown or. <laughs> I mean, I do, I, I do think, I do think that the, that the workouts get all the publicity, right? The workouts yep. are this, the workouts are the sexy part of training. And yep. it's within the, it's within the workouts that we feel as though we are advancing. But to your point, 
um, there, there's an incredible uh, benefit to that, uh, to that lower aerobic intensity activity, sustained uh, activity. Well, I'm glad that you, I'm glad that you mentioned coaching because I want to talk about, uh, I want to talk about that part uh, of, of who you are and, and what you do next. You know, it's said that, uh, that coaching is helping uh, athletes unlock their potential to maximize their growth. Um, so what I want to know is what, what are your fundamental keys to helping an athlete unlock their potential? So, um, I, and this is, I think what makes, um, one of the things that makes coaching a, a, a hard job in, in the sense that you're like giving a lot of energy to that, your energy to that to that athlete to encourage them along. You know, it's, we do online, I do primarily online coaching, but it's, it's way more than that. You know, it's getting on the phone with an athlete, emailing the athlete, texting the athlete. And we know that we're, we're not just treating an athlete, we're treating a whole person. Um, so just also being mindful about if they're going through a hard time and having, you know, to navigate that and giving them emotional support with all of the things that life brings on. Um, so I do, I think remembering that when you're coaching, it's, it's not just a black and white athlete, you're, you're coaching sort of like a, a the whole person. And it, it ends up being a little bit more like life coaching, but I think that is the essence of coaching and, and bringing out the best in someone. And, and so they feel supported. Um, and it's simply that they're getting a great plan that's for them, but also um, giving them the, the support and the encouragement they need to chase those big goals. Yeah. I mean, I always feel like that, um, uh, that, that athletes don't care about what, you know, they, 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 um, until they, until they know that you care, you know, right. I, I just, I just butchered that expression, but um, <laughs> no, that's exactly though. That's right. Yep. Um, and I, I know for me that, um, you know, when, when I open a conversation with a, with an athlete, the first two things I'm going to ask them about is, you know, how's your family doing and how's work going? Um, because, because as we've, as we've just, as as we've just talked about, um, an athlete's activity pattern or training program never happens in a vacuum. It always happens in the context of, of everything else they've got going on, um, personally and professionally and to, and to ignore those, those influences. Um, uh, I, I think, I think eventually, um, you know, that it sort of, it, it can lead to, to athletes being disenfranchised. In other words, they, they don't feel as though they're being listened to. And I, and I think, I I think, I think that's a, I think that's a really, really important part. Um, And that's been just to add to that. Sorry, coach, just to add it's that's, that's been one of the, you know, the struggles with Charlie too, because I have sort of this, um, this, this guilt of, you know, wanting, wanting to put all my energy into Charlie, but also, also have a crew of athletes that, some of them I've been coaching for a, a decade, you know, and so they end up being like really good friends and family members. And I, as the day goes on, I'm having like, I want to pay attention to Charlie, but, but also, oh no, I, I was supposed to text this person and I'm, am I giving them enough of my attention? So it's this, it's a constant struggle of feeling guilty and trying to put my energy into 
all of the people in my life. <laughs> I think, but I, but I, but I think, I think in those cases, uh, Amber, where, uh, where you've had the opportunity to work with folks for quite some time and you've developed not only a professional relationship, but also a personal relationship with them, they understand your circumstances. Right? Oh. And so, and so those, and so those clients, um, perhaps as much as, uh, as any other client, um, would, would be able to afford you the grace, uh, right. Um, yeah. and the understanding that, um, uh, that, that, that there, there are other pulls and tugs, uh, you know, uh, on your time, uh, and, and, and energy. Um, so, you know, I, I, I mentioned that, you know, this concept of, uh, of coaching being, um, you know, helping an athlete unlock their potential uh, to maximize their growth. Uh, from from your experience, um, what, what what are some common obstacles uh, uh, to growth that you've witnessed uh, in the athletes that you've that you've worked with? I think that um, well, uh, this is this is simple, but I don't I don't know if enough people do all their strength work. <laughs> this is me talking as a physical therapist. And then on a very simplistic level, we run into problems because we get injured. Um, so, so that's a simple one. And then also, I think that the majority of people um, don't set their goals high enough. You know, I am, I'm always like gently encouraging people to like think, think bigger. Um, and and really our bodies, I always believe this, but after birthing a child, I feel like we use like 1%, 1 of our potential um, as, as humans, really I do. And so I think that if we can like think, think bigger, really think, think bigger and, and just get out there and, and chase those huge goals, I, I think that we are going to unlock more of our potential as, as humans. Um, so, yeah, I actually, it's funny that you mentioned that because, um, that was one of the things that I, I had my athletes do, uh, late last year, uh, in the, in the fourth quarter, uh, of 2021, as we approached 2022, uh, uh, I asked them for their, their, their BHAGs, their big, hairy, audacious goals. Right? <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> or BSCAGs, big, scary, audacious goals. Either, either, either way, right? The idea to oh, your point. I'm going to have to steal that. You can steal that. <laughs> the BHAGs, big, hairy, audacious goals, right? Cause they, cause they really are right. I mean, if it yes. doesn't, if it doesn't scare you, then you're probably not thinking you're not thinking big enough. But I, I also like the concept of, um, of think big, but act small, mm. right? So, um, so, so I 100% agree with you that, uh, that, that we, we always need to think bigger. Um, but, but then, but then once we spend, once we think big, then we have to act small. In other words, what, what's the one thing that I need to do today such by doing it, it makes everything else either unnecessary or, or easier. Right. Right. Uh, kind of like the strength training. Ex <laughs> like exactly. 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 <laughs> like the strength training. Right. That kind of helps me. That helps me to come full circle. So, yes, um, I love that. Yeah, I, 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 I couldn't agree with you. I couldn't agree with you more uh, about that. Um, you know, that the other challenge, of course, is as as coaches that we face is to 
uh, is to help athletes uh, overcome uh, and deal with disappointing performances. You know, I, um, I mean, you've had some incredible athletic successes, but you've also had your share of of disappointment as well. I mean, we, we all have, right. Um, so how do you help an athlete deal with a, with a disappointing performance? Yeah. And so, so definitely that is, that is the, a tough one. Um, and as a coach too, you invest a ton of energy, into the athlete and you just, and you hope that they race well. And when you, when they, when they don't race well or they, they have a disappointing race, I, I take it personally and I feel almost like I had the disappointing race. Um, so, you know, emotionally, like I'm going through all those emotions with the athlete, but I always come back to like how many fourth place finishes I've had over the years. I mean, it's been, it's been uncanny. (laughs) It's been, once off the podium, like, (laughs) and I feel, I always like to flip that mindset and say, I think because of all these fourth place finishes, this is why I'm still in the sport because it's sort of like, yes, it's a little disappointing. I didn't have the race I wanted to, but it's almost more motivating because now I'm going to buckle down. I'm going to get back to work. And me as an athlete, I love, I love racing. So first, fourth, you know, way, way, way back, there's always something to learn or take out of the experience. Um, and so I would try to preach that to my athletes, but I know like you spend six months, a year training for a big race. And if it doesn't go your way, it is disappointing. And, and it's okay. I think it's okay to feel sad about it and feel bad about it for a day. Um, but then it's time to pick yourself back up, <laughs> you know, and figure out if you're going to, you know, pick another race, get back into training. So, yeah, we, and that's, I mean, it's, it's very much what I, uh, what I like to, to, to talk to my athletes about too, after a disappointing performance is to, is to redirect them. Uh, and, uh, you know, I, I always ask them to do three things. I ask them to own it. Yep. I ask them to learn from it. And then I ask them to move on. Right. right. Because any carried emotion forward from a disappointing performance only tends to divert your energy and attention away from what the task is today. Right. Because right. you can't go back and, and, and change right. what happened. Um, there's always I mean, there's always tremendous opportunity for growth. Um, right. in every experience, whether it's a, whether it's a top of the podium finish or whether it's a dead last finish, there's always opportunities for growth. If, if we remain open to the lessons that these experiences, um, teach, um, let, let me, but let me back up for just, for just a moment. I mean, I, do you feel that, uh, that part of a, part of a coach's responsibility before the race actually even happens is to help an athlete set realistic expectations and goals. I mean, don't you think that, don't you think that uh, for folks that aren't coached um, that oftentimes disappointing performances come from unrealistic expectations. Um, And if you believe that as a coach, um, do you help or how do you help an athlete set realistic expectations? Because, you know, I mean, we mentioned training peaks, this, this, this training platform that most coaches use. I mean, you have the ability to look, you know, very deeply into the, into the act, into the athlete's 
preparation. Uh, And with your experience, I'm sure you can almost look at what the athlete has done um, and um, and and come up with yourself expectations for that athlete. So how do you help an athlete? How do you help guide an athlete even before the race has started in terms of appropriate expectations? Yeah. And so we usually I'll put a detailed race plan in there in regards to heart rate and and watts and power on the bike and um, even um, some paces and a fueling plan. And so that, you know, that is a really good point because sometimes an athlete will go in and hoping to podium, but they checked off all their heart rate goals, all their pace goals and, you know, didn't podium. And so it's like, well, we can't really say that's a bad race, just faster, you know, there were faster people on that day. Um, And that's, that's the whole part of racing. And I, I think triathlon's a nice sport because, you can maybe have a little bit of a disappointing race, but you maybe PR'd in the, in the swim or you really nailed like our, the fueling plan that we laid out. Um, so there can, there's always like that, you know, silver lining and shining light and, and positive that we can take away. Um, and I think a lot of the times athletes also, at least what I preach to them is if they're, if this is going to be like, if you're a lifer, if you're in it for life, which a lot of us endurance junkies are, um, it's always a bit of a, of a process. And there's going to be way more like disappointing off the podium races than there are going to be those like perfect races. You nail everything, you win the race, you win your age group. Um, so always just trying to find that positive, trying to look at the power file or the heart rate file after and be like, look, you nailed these. You didn't podium this time, but we're going to keep moving forward. So, yeah. So uh, I'm sure that you coach a range of athletes from athletes that are very likely to stand on the podium to athletes that really have no aspirations for standing on the podium. They're, you know, they're, they're, they're out there, you know, uh, attempting to, you know, to be the best versions of themselves and to lean in on the, on the effort. Um, you mentioned, you mentioned process. Um, for me, um, I'd like to use a combination of performance-based and process-based goals for, for my athletes. Um, you know, clearly, um, most folks hire a coach because they have performance-based goals that they're chasing, whether it's a, whether it's a Boston qualifier or it's a, uh, or it's a, or it's a PR or it's a new distance. Um, most endurance athletes are motivated by performance-based goals. And yet um, there are times in which process-based goals are the most appropriate way to go. I mean, I I recently had an an experience with an athlete uh, actually at the Boston Marathon uh, a couple of weeks ago. It was, interestingly enough, the the Boston Marathon was her C priority, C, A, A priority, top priority, B priority races, support your A priority race. C priority races for us are just, they're just things we do for fun. They fit in the schedule. So therefore they're in the schedule, but there's no performance-based expectations. Well, just so happened, but the Boston marathon was a C priority event for her. She had another marathon, uh, a a month later, but she really wanted to do Boston. So we said, that's, that's fine. You, You know, you can do Boston. You're just going to, you're just going to, you're just going to go and have fun. You're going to smile. You're going to wave the crowd with no performance-based expectations at all. Yeah. None, none. We didn't, we didn't talk at all about performance-based. We only had process-based goals. She ran her fastest Boston 
that she has ever run in like her second fastest marathon ever. Yeah. So, uh, so, you know, I, I wonder, you know, what, what, what do you believe that, that sometimes we place such a burden upon our shoulders to perform that these performance-based expectations sometimes are, are a hindrance uh, well, rather than an asset? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And there's been, oh man, there's just been so many races too, where I felt like I put, I put this certain, uh, yeah, performance I need to like win or podium and I'm, and I'm not, and it affects you really negatively, you know, and, and I think the mind is just so huge. Um, whereas I can see right now is I don't really have any expectations <laughs> postpartum. Um, I'm just like the races I've done have been on, you know, smaller side, but I just, I'm at the start line with no, really no nerves, just excitement to race and to like, see where my body is at right now. And I have surprised myself. Um, so, but, but that, you know, that's hard because then as we, as we go along and let's say we do PR or we do a winner age group, um, it's hard to then go back, <laughs> back in time. Right. Mm, no, it's, no, it's, 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 it's very true. Um, but I think, you know, I, I, I what's been interesting for me and in, in my observation is that, um, once athletes begin to adopt and embrace this concept that process-based goals and expectations can be part of a race plan. It doesn't mean that they yeah. need to exclusively be part of the race plan, um, that, um, that they really, that they really embrace it. Uh, yeah. Um, and, um, certainly there are times in which, in which your, your performance suggests that, uh, or your preparation suggests that a performance-based goal is completely appropriate. Um, but I also think that I also feel that um, that that athletes need to at least be open to the idea that sometimes, um, for whatever reason, your preparation has not been tip top. Um, and rather than set up unrealistic, unrealistic ex performance based expectations to lean in on process based expectations Absolutely. and walk away from the event feeling as though you learn something valuable, right? Yes. Because, yeah. because look, again, I'm curious to get your take on this, but um, I'm not sure that, that, the, that the greatest lessons that we ever learn were from our best performances. Oh yeah, I agree. Right? Yeah, exactly. I mean, ha have there, have there been, have there been experiences for you where, where you've learned more from a, DNF or from a, a disappointing performance than you, than you learn from standing on the top of the podium? Oh yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Because you know, with a, with a win or a podium, you're like, yeah, great. Yay. I, I did it all. And you, you tend to like not look back and really analyze. Whereas like the fourth place finish is like, <laughs> what can I do to get on the podium? And I think we see this with, um, um, yeah, we see this with DNFing too. It's like, oh, probably shouldn't have had that donut before the race, you know, <laughs> things like that. And um, as far as like going going back a bit and as far as going into the race with no expectations, I think we see this a lot with athletes coming back from injury too, you know, where it's like they overcame an injury, they're racing for the first time in a while, they don't expect a lot, but it's like just the joy of being on the start line is, is going to carry them through and 
and can see a lot of like breakthrough performances right after an injury. And obviously there's other factors that go into that, right? Cause they had some time to rest, but um, yeah. Yeah. I feel, uh, I feel very much the same way uh, with, with respect to that. Well, you know, again, it's, it's, um, it's always one of the more challenging things that we, that we need to do as coaches is to, uh, is to help an athlete process a disappointing experience uh, and, and to move, and to move on from it. Um, you know, the, the other thing that keeps you busy, uh, is, is being a team and, and business owner. Um, uh, Granite State, uh, endurance project is, uh, is, is, uh, uh, is something also that's a, that's a passion of yours. And, and, uh, I'd like to talk a little bit about, about that. Um, uh, first of all, yeah. Tell the listener what uh, what is Granite State Endurance Project? What what is that? What what's what is that all about? Yeah, it's um, it's so it's a group of triathletes and and runners. Um, and really, in all honesty, it just sort of evolved over the over the years. And and I love I love this Concord. I love New Hampshire, but I love the Concord community in general. And I had been coaching Tuesday track for oh geez um i think what are we in 2013 so seven eight nine almost a decade now (laughs) and that was a great group of um people to meet up with every week um and then as the as the years went on um i sort of did us um a branch off of that that Tuesday track is called the Granite State Racing Team. And so I there was a need for a sort of more of a multi-sport group. So I started Granite State Endurance Project and we put on team camps. We have one in Lake Placid. We have a little indoor bike studio where downtown Concord. Um, that's been fun to connect with people in the winter. And we do a bunch of open water swims together, a bunch of, you know, just different groups bikings together and it's been it's been a ton of fun it's it's just a nice like community group and i love connecting with people from the community so mm. so um uh, so all of this came about in roughly 2018 or or does yeah. it does it predate that 2018 2018 roughly? yeah is when i said we should like make this make this official mm. um so i mean i think I, I just recently had a, a similar conversation uh, with with another guest about um, about market timing and about this, the success of new ventures. Right? Oftentimes, it's not it's not about it's not about who you know. It's not about how well funded you are in terms of whether or not a new venture is going to be successful. Sometimes it's about timing. Some and yeah. you don't necessarily have to be first. Uh, you just have to. It, you just have to meet a need that yeah. that maybe that that maybe that maybe needed to be met. Um, I'm curious you know, what in 2018. Um, what what did you think was missing, either in the either in the Concord area or the New Hampshire area in general, or the New England area? Because at this point, you've got you've got folks that are that are involved in this project that extend beyond the Granite State. Um, yeah. But what what? What did, what did you see was missing? I mean, why, 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 why you, why, why that group? Why that time? Yeah. I felt like, um, I think people choose to do endurance sports because they want to feel connected and they, 
they want to group and it's uh, for the most part, it's really social for, for people. Um, and so there wasn't really, um, in my opinion, um, a, a team out there that sort of encompassed like a, a lot of different skill levels and a triathlon, yeah, really a triathlon team. Um, so that's how it sort of transpired in 2018. And it's become more of like, as you probably know, with acidotic rating, racing, it's really like a, a family. <laughs> um, and I think I was like every business owner, really nervous in 2020. I felt like, oh no, I'm going to lose all my athletes or the team's going to crumble um, without racing. But actually like that was our strongest year. We, we put on a lot of self-supported events. We did a, a big fundraiser, an Everesting fundraiser um, for the BLM, BLM movement. And the team just got super, super close and we navigated it together was a testament to like how strong we could be. And um, yeah, we, we came out of that year really, really strong. And with, I think with confidence that we love racing, but also don't need it. Don't need it. <laughs> it's nice that it's back, but uh, really it's more about community, giving back to the community, supporting all sorts of different athletes um, and skill levels, supporting each other. Yeah, I mean, I think I think you're right. I think I think I think 2020, um, you know, for for many businesses, it was either their demise uh, yeah. or it, it actually solidified, um, uh, you know, their 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 business model and their approach. Um, uh, certainly was a it, it was a dicey time <laughs> yeah. uh, as as a as a as a as a coach, and it was also in a dicey time as an as an event management uh, company, uh, for us with acidotic racing. Um, you know, speaking of the, of the event, of the event management side, um, you know, many of these, um, uh, these endurance racing communities, um, um, and, and, or race teams, uh, eventually sort of dip their toe into event management uh yeah. in other words putting on putting on organized events i i I, you, I mean you you mentioned that you have you know challenges team-based challenges but 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 like the next step sometimes not always but the next step is to is to actually host uh you know a, a, an actual competition is that is that is that anywhere on your on your radar or or do you feel like the like the triathlon schedule is already bursting at its seams and there, there, there isn't, there isn't a need for any more, uh, races here in new England. Um, there, I think there's definitely a need for more races and I would love to see some of those like hometown races that, and I no disrespect to Ironman cause I race Ironman, but just more of that, just like local feel. I would love that, but race directing and putting on a race is way over my skill level. I think like, <laughs> I think you saw yourself that, too I short. I, um, know, know my limitations. <laughs> and um, as fun as I think that would be, I think, well, also right now I'm, I promised myself I wouldn't add any for sure thing to the schedule, but for sure. oh man, I would love like, I don't know if you remember like black fly triathlon and just uh, even moose man, just some of those like really that is really where, where I fell in love with the sport. And that's what I'm craving 
for a lot of my athletes, um, because I think like, you know, Ironman is like the, the big name, obviously, and in, in host the world championships, but, but really like, the joy in racing is like that hometown feel. It, it's more fun than, than pressure. Um, there's beer at the finish. So I would love, love, love to see more of those. So if you want to set up any of those, <laughs> <laughs> I, I also made a promise to myself for a different reason that I would not attempt to host any other, uh, any other races. Um, <laughs> uh, and, and, and th th this observation that I'm going to make is, is purely, uh, uh, as an outsider, I don't have any inside, uh, uh knowledge or information. Um, I'm only tangentially associated with the sport of triathlon because I do have a handful of, of athletes that race it. I used okay. to race triathlon way, way back in the day. But um, and and you'll correct me if I'm misstating this, but um, has Ironman had a negative impact on some of the smaller mom and pop races oh. here regionally? I mean, is that is that a thing or is that a yes. myth? Um, oh yeah, and, no. and, yeah, and, and if so, what? Yeah, what? What's your observation on uh, on the disappearance of smaller? I say smaller, like like Olympic distance or or yeah. or sub half uh, Ironman uh, races. Um, yeah. Well, I mean, why, why have they disappeared? Um, what, yeah, what, what, and what yeah. impact did, did Ironman, a, a corporation have on that? Yeah. And I, you know, I don't want to spread any misinformation, but my, my feelings, and I think the general feeling is, uh, yeah, I hate, I mean, Ironman, yeah, it's a for-profit company. Right. And, and so if they feel like they're not, potentially like making enough money at a rate at, at an event, they're going to kind of pull out of that event. And, or for instance, if there's like a black fly event, that's a smaller event. And then Ironman comes in with a bigger event, sort of like pushing people towards the Ironman event. Um, yeah, it, I mean, uh, it is sad. It's totally sad. I need, I need someone to maybe millennium running. I don't know. Actually, they do put on some races. They, um, yeah. They, some yep. triathlons. It, yeah, it would they be do. so they nice do. to get that smaller triathlon scene back. And, um, yeah, again, I, I don't know. I mean, all the politics behind it, but I don't, I don't think Ironman is helping. And, and it's silly too, because really those sprint triathlons and the Olympic triathlons are like, they should be viewed as, as feeder races for the, the bigger 100%. races. Um, and I almost hate to see like an, an, one of my new, you know, newer triathletes come in and just feel like, Ooh, Ironman, like, that's what I, that's what I hear. And that's where all my friends are doing. So I don't even have a tri bike, but I'm going to sign up for an, Ironman, <laughs> you know, and, uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's a, that's a big reason why we still host the Kingman farm trail race that small, you know, small, short four mile trail race in, in Madbury even though the trend in, in, in trail racing is toward, you know, ultra distances and ultra, ultra distances right, and multi-day yeah. races. And everyone is, everyone is trying to go longer and longer and longer. But the reality is that there needs to be a softer entry point for people Definitely. to get into these sports. Um, and, uh, you know, new sports are intimidating anyhow, but, yeah. uh, but the longer, 
new sports are exponentially more intimidating and they can be a barrier to, to participation. Uh, I mean, it, last follow-up question in, in that, in, in that regard. Uh, I mean, over the last decade or so, you know, since you've been racing triathlon, have you seen, have you personally seen events, uh, triathlons disappear from the schedule? I mean, you mentioned black fly, but, uh, yeah. you know, have there been, have there been others that you, that you've seen just kind of go away? Um, yeah, there had, and well, so pumpkin man's still, still, still going on and they, um, the previous race director sold it to a smaller company, but she was getting a lot of pressure from Ironman cause Ironman wanted to, to buy it. Um, and I think it was sort of big of her to, um, dig her feet in and, and say, no, I'm, I'm not going to just sell it to Ironman because Ironman could easily just take it away. Um, and I'm trying to think of some of the, I mean, Moose Man, Moose Man was an awesome one up, um, is it Bristol? Yeah, oh, man, that was a, that was a great one. And that one also went away. Iron Man, I think Iron Man bought that from Keith, was it? Um, and then, and then again, took it away because of who knows, maybe not like making an, enough money in that venue or, or the, or the, or the cynicist, uh, may, may suggest that, uh, Iron Man did away with it to reduce competition. I mean, that's, yes, the yeah, other, yeah. that's potentially yeah. the other part too. And whether or not, yeah. whether or not that's part of the business model or not, unfortunately, yeah. that's how it's perceived within, within, within the triathlon community that these mom and pop races are being bought up by big companies. And as a mom and pop, race director it's pretty hard to turn down the the the, the mm. big money offer from iron man uh international right. or corporation um <laughs> it's hard to say no when someone has got their checkbook out and and is ready to write you a check um Absolutely. and then uh but but unfortunately I, you know I, I think sometimes it's the it's the local or the regional uh you know triathlon communities or racing communities that end up um, being on the short end of that stick because their their favorite beloved events disappear, yeah. um, and there's yeah. and there's less opportunities in the schedule. Yeah. Um, uh, last question as it relates to uh, uh, Grand State Race Team uh, and the uh, um, uh, Grand State Endurance Project. You know they say they say your tribe is your vibe. <laughs> yeah. Have you heard that expression? Your, yeah. Your, your tribe, your tribe is your vibe. I like that. Uh, <laughs> what is the vibe of, of Granite State uh, Endurance Project or the Granite State Race right. Team? I mean, yeah. I, my, my, my guess is that people want to be involved in it because of you and, and your smile and your energetic personality. I mean, is, is oh. that the vibe? Is, oh. is, the, is the vibe, is it the amber vibe? I mean, or what is the vibe? <laughs> oh, that's nice, Chris. That's nice. I mean, I don't, I, I think like over time it's in, it's evolved. And, and now I feel, I feel really good. I feel like it's taking on its own vibe. It's not just relying on me, you know, and I'm so, I'm so proud of how people are working together and specifically, well, specifically Granite State racing team. So that, that wasn't me. I coached for that, but that team has been here for like 40 years. Um, and so we have, we have a, a teammate, Cliff, who's 90, who comes to all the track workouts. And I feel like that in itself is a vibe because it's like, just keep, just keep moving. Um, and I have some awesome stories about him. And one of which stands out is, uh, it was like, I think three or so years ago. And we had, 
it was a track workout with, I usually have them do, well, sometimes have them do like little mini grass repeats in between, let's say 400s or 800s. And so it ends up being a nice strength endurance workout, one of our longer workouts, but it started raining, pouring, everybody left except for Cliff, <laughs> who's awesome. like 87. Awesome. And he, you know, he's like, I'm like, Hey Cliff, we're good. You know, you got in like four miles. I think we're good. And he was just like, Nope, I'm finishing. <laughs> So it's just me and Cliff out there. And it just, I mean, I think that is a vibe. <laughs> what, yeah. What, what, what an amazing inspiration, right? I mean, you, <laughs> you, you, you look at, you look at him and you think if I can be anywhere close to that exactly. in 40 years or exactly. 50 years or wh whatever the math ends up being, like I would take that tomorrow. If you told me that that's what I'm going to be and that's the kind of condition I'm going to be in when I'm in my, my late eighties. I'll take that tomorrow hands Ex down. Exactly. And so that's what I feel like. That's what I hope Granite State Racing Team vibe is where it's like all comers. It doesn't matter if, you know, you're winning or you're you're not winning and or you just started or you've been doing this for 55 years. Um, everyone's kind of supporting everyone. Everyone's journey is a little different. So I hope that that is the vibe. And I think I do like am energetic and Ryan got me an espresso machine for my birthday. So that doesn't, <laughs> it does or it doesn't help. It but um, yeah, no, I think that, I think the vibe is not just relying on me. I think as a team, we're creating our own vibes. Everyone's supporting each other. I think, yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I, I think as it relates to a team and a community, I, I do think it's important that it's not a cult of personality um, mm -hmm. that. Right. Because, I mean, right. you, you you can't be expected to be the emotional, spiritual leader every moment of every day, right. uh, because you know, to your earlier point, uh, some days sometimes are more challenging than others. And so right. and so it, it it needs to it needs to eventually become bigger and more than just you. Right. In yes. order for it to be sustainable. Um, exactly. long term. Um, exactly. All right. Um, the next to last thing I want you to I want you to 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 to, to talk about briefly is um, uh, is your support team. You know, you um, you you make this you make this pretty clear on your website that you don't do these things alone. Um, uh, so um, yeah, uh, give a shout out to uh, to your support team, including including Rye. Uh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> who I just saw walking around. Uh, yeah, he in, was in, with Charlie. And he's got, like with Charlie and saying like, what do you want for breakfast? So <laughs> right there, you can tell. <laughs> but, but 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 yeah, but give a give a shout out to to your support team. Uh, you know, uh, the, the people and the businesses that uh, uh, that help you to do what you do the way you do it. Yeah. And so I've had and I feel so, so, so lucky that these, uh, this team has supported me through COVID. I was just telling Ryan, you know, through COVID and then really through pregnancy. And I know that, um, that can, that is getting maybe a little bit more mainstream and common to continue your, the support through pregnancy, but it's, it doesn't always happen. And so a, a big supporter and just a all around awesome guy, Tom Raffio, um, Delta Dental has supported me since 2015. And, and I just feel so lucky that he believes in me and, you know, supporting my athletic goals, but also he really gives back. He gives back tenfold to this community and supports, we know so many 
so many races and um he, he's he's an inspiration in himself too he, he's racing twice a weekend for years and years and years and just such a positive guy always a ton on his plate so I feel super lucky to have him in my corner um yeah I definitely couldn't have done all the the traveling and chasing those those goals in in Europe I've raced in 11 different countries so I owe a huge thank you to Tom Raffio and Delta Dental um, and then I've had uh, longtime supporters of Juice Performer and Infinite Nutrition. Rudy Project have been really have been there since the beginning. And triathlon's an expensive sport. So just feel super, super blessed. Um, and I think one of the fun things, just like creating a team and coaching athletes is, like I mentioned before, they become, you know, more of just a, just an athlete and more of just a sponsor. They become a friend. Um, so feel super, really super lucky. And, and then Velaccio apparel too. I mean, yeah, <laughs> I feel like I don't deserve all the support, but <laughs> no, you no, you most, you most certainly, you most certainly do. Um, as a, as a triathlete, um, uh, <laughs> you, you, you got bikes and bikes are expensive and, 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 uh, bikes are, uh, need to be maintained from time to time. Do you want to give a shout out to your favorite local bike shop? Yeah. So MC cycle, who's now my brother-in-law <laughs> has been a yeah, huge supporter. And, and then, um, yeah, I don't, I don't want to leave Ryan out because he really is like the in-house, my in-house bike guy. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, yeah. And he, it really gives me the, gives me, um, all the support and training, um, and just like emotionally and like physically too, he'll, he'll really like give me the priority in, in training. So feel lucky. <laughs> I think that's a really important part to it for sure. Um, okay. Last part of the show, my favorite part of the show, it's three random questions. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to ask you three random questions. I'm going to ask you to give me your, your answers to these three random questions. But before we do that, I need you to, I need you to confirm that you have not been given these three questions in advance. Can you confirm that? I can confirm. I feel very nervous. <laughs> okay, perfect. Good. That's good. I, that's good. It, it's like you're standing on the starting line again, Amber. Okay. All right. Feel those butterflies. You have no idea what's coming. All right. It's going to be fun though. All right. Are you ready for three random questions? Ready. Okay, question, uh, random question number one for, for Amber. You've traveled all around the world. What is your favorite country to visit and why? Oh, ooh. oh, wow. Someone asked me that the other day. Okay, and I can only pick one country. <laughs> Come on, Amber. Yes, <laughs> yes, you can only, this is, this is my show. So yes, you can only, you can only pick one. <laughs> um, let's see here. I have a bit of a funny answer, but then I have, a, well, okay, I'll go with the serious because I do way too much laughing. I, um, not at all. <laughs> <laughs> I, um, we had, oh man, actually, this is super hard. There's a top, there's, there's three, and I don't know which one to pick. <laughs> well, listen, the, 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 the Bureau of Tourism in these countries are, are not going to call you if they don't get names. So, <laughs> 
<laughs> your passport is not going to be revoked, right? So you, yeah, you can feel free to answer, and it's okay to offend a country. It's all right. You're not actually offending. You can maybe mention the other two, but then say, well, of of the three, this is my favorite. Okay, so the, yeah, the top three is Switzerland, Austria, and then Montremblant in Canada. Um, so I think I'm going to go with Austria. Okay. Beautiful right. country, beautiful, beautiful country, beautiful people. And every time I raced, I, I stay with a host family. So I'm never in a hotel. And so I'm, I'm just thinking about the host family I stayed with in Austria. And it, again, it's just like one of those times where you walk in that you meet them and you just feel like you've known them for years. Um, so I'm going to say Austria. It's about, it's about building relationships, right? Yep, definitely. Right? Yeah. Um, okay, good. You, okay. You, you struggled a little bit with that. <laughs> I wasn't expecting that to be so hard. Okay. Uh, maybe, maybe, maybe random question number two will be a little bit easier for you. Here it is. Random question number two for Amber. What's the most irrational superstition or fear you have? Oh, what? Oh man, I am a little bit of a quirky person and I have a lot Perfect. of <laughs> Perfect. Give us, yeah, give the listener, give the listener a little bit of a, a little bit of a tidbit, uh, a little bit of a peek uh, into that quirkiness. Oh my gosh. <laughs> you want to weigh into this guy? Here's a question. <laughs> Rye's going to weigh in. Can you say that one more time, Chris? Yes, of course. <laughs> Amber, random question number two. What is the most irrational superstition or fear you have? Ooh. Yes, even Ryan thinks that's a great question. That's, yeah, that's that a is good. a great <laughs> <laughs> uh, Yes. Yeah. Oh, there's so many, Chris, and I don't even know, I don't know if we can encapsulate. <laughs> That's that's a quirky. That is so quirky. Quirky, random thing. (laughs) I'd go with that. I mean, there's so many, and then this is gonna be a huge superstition. No, it's not a huge superstition, but it's just a quirkiness. And I'll take it. I don't know if it's like a little bit of an OCD thing, but it's just like cracks in the road. If I'm running along, and it it can even be like in a very important workout, if I like see a crack and I just miss stepping on it, I actually have to go back and step on it. I mean, and that's just the tip of the iceberg of Amber. <laughs> I don't even know. <laughs> it's weird. Well, I, I, and I would, a lot of people wouldn't even be able to relate to that, but there's a lot more where that came from. <laughs> I, I would say that absolutely fits the definition of the most irrational superstition that you have. <laughs> because because if you because if you're doubling back to step to step on the crack or not step on the crack. That has to drive your coach absolutely bananas when he's when he's reviewing your training data. It's like Amber, why, why, why did you turn around? What, what, why were you running? Why did you go backwards? Um, okay, well that's that's you know what we maybe maybe those maybe those irrational quirkinesses uh, maybe that's a whole show in and of itself. We'll have to have, it. I'll have, to have you back. Okay, random question number three. Um, this is actually one of my one of my favorite uh, questions to ask folks. So I have a time machine in my garage. Okay. Whoa. And I'm going to, yep. And I'm going to, and I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you one trip. Okay. All right. Now, if you could spend three seconds in the future or three hours in the past, 
which would it be? When, where, and why? So three seconds in the future or spend three hours in the past at any time in the future or any time in the past, where, when, and why? Three hours in the past, you said? Yep. Um, so that's an easy one for me. <laughs> for once, I'm not struggling. <laughs> okay, I think um, definitely three hours in the past, and it would be when I was giving birth to Charlie and Ryan was there. Absolutely, 100%. And I think like Charlie is, she's growing up so fast. She's nine and a half months. It went by in the blink of an eye, and she's like a front row seat to how quickly life goes by. Um, and I think like the birthing experience was <laughs> the birthing experience was like one of the most powerful and like awesome experience of my whole life. I was really tried to, it was 24 hours. So I had some time, there, but, <laughs> but it was when that those three hours, when it was like, you know, she actually entered this world. Um, that was definitely the, one of the most memorable best times of my life. And that would be great to experience that again. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I think I think that answer speaks very powerfully to uh, how important motherhood is to you because you um, you've, you've also had some pretty amazing successes professionally, athletically, um, and yet um, you know if you were given three hours to go back in time, that's where you'd want to go back. So, um, Amber, I, I really appreciate this, this conversation. It's been wonderful getting a chance to get caught up with you again. And, and, uh, as always, it's a, it's a pleasure. Uh, and, uh, thanks again for, for being on the show. Thank you, Chris. I wish I could have asked you some questions. I know. I feel like we haven't seen each other in a while. And I'm like, we had some good snowshoe ba battles back in the past. <laughs> we, we did for sure. Well, I'll tell you what, start a podcast and uh, invite me on as a guest and I will, I, I will answer all of the questions that you have. But this goes back to, I can't add any more things. <laughs> okay, fair. That's fair enough. But we'll get Ryan to start a podcast, right? <laughs> but then he can't add any more things because I'm right. giving him all the stuff I can't handle right it's now. A, it's a good point. Well, then I tell you what, I think I tell you what, a, a, a reasonable compromise would be, let's get together for a trail run or Definitely. a bike ride at some point soon. Yes, absolutely. Thanks, right. Chris. Thanks again, Amber. <laughs>amber has such a positive upbeat vibe to her you know it's it's really no surprise she's as, as successful as she is i really appreciated her insights into the struggles that so many new moms face postpartum and does anyone really doubt that when the time is right she'll be back mixing it up on the pro triathlon scene well if you liked what you heard please consider giving the show a follow and if you really liked what you heard, please consider sharing it with your friends. I'll be posting some supporting media on my Twitter account at Coach Chris J. Dunn. So make sure to check that out. And lastly, remember, the secret to living well and longer is to eat half, walk double, laugh triple, and love without measure. Until next time.